there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be here this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I've just been so blessed to be in the house of God this morning, just to really experience the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, to, to have that tangible sense that God is on the move at this time. And, and I really do sense that. Um, th- this is a traditional time of year where we know that we're kind of entering into a new season. Uh, people are leaving for university. People are moving up schools. It's, it's a classic time of year to, to kind of sense something. But I really do sense... Uh, again, that, that we're, we're in a season uh, where God is really going to be moving in new and dramatically different ways to what we've experienced before. I just sense that there's new things going to be happening, which is, is really, really exciting for us. Um, can we get the, uh, the slides up, please, Rich? That's lovely. Thank you. Um, what I want to uh, be sharing with you this morning are, are some further thoughts on um, a topic we looked at a couple of three weeks ago called My Yoke is Easy. Those of you that were in church last uh, Sunday uh, will have heard a a fabulous message from Lindsay. And Lindsay spoke about running the race, running the race, the Christian race. Um, And and one of the things that, that she said that really kind of registered in my brain was the fact that although God's grace can never, ever be earned, it doesn't mean that it shouldn't take effort. We can't earn God's grace, but it doesn't then mean that we don't have to put any effort in. Uh, and it really linked in, I believe, with, with my messages of a, of a couple of three weeks ago about intimacy with God, but particularly um, these verses that we're going to be looking at yet again about having an easy burden and a comfortable yoke. But what I want to do today is look at it from a, a very slightly different perspective. So, uh, next slide, Rich. These are the, the verses that we looked at. This is from the NIV. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the kind of traditional rendition of those scriptures. What I want to look at this morning is a different interpretation. It's not a translation. It's an interpretation of these scriptures. So can we have the next slide? Because this is what the message has to say about those verses that we've just read. This is uh, the message's interpretation. And um, I really, really love these three verses. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I just think that's a fantastic interpretation of those words and almost kind of sense Jesus speaking them very personally to me uh, and, and to you this morning. Uh, over the last few weeks, I've been thinking about these, these three or four verses and I've become more and more convinced that they're more to do with our personal walk with God rather than what we're actually doing in our, our daily lives, what our actual daily activities are. Um, we, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about, you know, looking at the burden that we're carrying and, and is it the right burden that you've got? But as I've dug deeper, I believe it's so much more to do with our individual relationship with God. Because all of us in our lives are going to have times where we have to work hard. We're going to have times of stress, times of frustration, times of disappointment, times of ill health, times of grief, as well as times of happiness, rejoicing, and pleasure. That, that's the human condition. But the constant thing that should remain through all of the seasons of our life is our relationship with God, which doesn't change. I, I've been around church a long time uh, in this area now. And, and I've been in so many meetings where we've gathered to try and, and look at the, the life of the church and think what we should be doing. And I've often heard people say things like this. Well, the reason the church is, isn't growing, the reason that we're struggling, is because we're not trying hard enough. Um, we need to pray harder. I don't know how you pray harder, but we need to pray harder. We need to study more. We need to fast we need to attend more meetings. We need to give more. And I've heard people constantly be saying, this is the, the, the struggle and the strife that the Christian life should be, as if somehow, if we make our lives really, really hard, that will in some miraculous way attract God's attention. And I actually don't see that at all in the Scriptures. I'm actually convinced that, that two of the, the main things that ever attract the attention of God are if we humble ourselves and if we genuinely in unity in oneness seek him. I think that's far more attractive to God than, than somebody gritting their teeth and reading yet again, you know, the 35th verse of Job and, you know, having already read the first 34 verses and gritting their teeth and they're going to keep on. I don't think God finds that attractive at all. I do think he finds humility and oneness very attractive. Because the thing is, if we're told that we've got to grit our teeth, that we've got to try harder, make more sacrifices, it's actually really disheartening. And actually it makes us feel failures. It makes us feel as if everything we've done in the past isn't really good enough or up to standard. It sucks the joy out of life. And it can actually make us at best feel disillusioned and possibly at worst, even cynical. If you've been around church a long time, you'll perhaps know what I'm talking about. That, that you know, it's so easy to get into the mindset, oh, we've, we've seen this before, we've heard this before, uh, and it won't work because, you know, in 1973 they tried this and it was no good. Jesus got hot and bothered. He got tired. He felt physical pain. He felt grief. But it doesn't look to me, reading the scriptures, as if he ever 
had to work hard at his relationship with his heavenly father. That wasn't the sign of what Jesus did. There were times when he got up early. There were times when, when he sacrificed. There were times when he studied. But it wasn't an effort. It wasn't gritting his teeth and getting on with it, even though he didn't feel like it. He didn't have to work hard at his relationship with his heavenly father. I am sure that Jesus' relationship with his heavenly father was always a delight and never a duty. Always a delight and never a duty. And that's why I love this interpretation of Matthew 11, that phrase which I've highlighted, the unforced rhythms of grace, just seems to sum up how Jesus lived his life on earth. I think he just walked the earth, flowing with full of the Holy Spirit, experiencing these unforced rhythms of grace. I'm absolutely convinced that's how he did it. So what I want to do this morning, this is, a, you know, I hope this doesn't turn too much into like a, uh, a presentation and a lecture. I'm conscious it possibly could. But I just want to suggest to you today five things that could actually become rhythms of grace for all of us. Now, these are not finite. There could be many other things that you could think of that would, be, would form part of your rhythms of grace. And they're also not rocket science. I'm not going to mention anything that you've never heard before. But I think as we look at these topics today, I want us to remember that they're rhythms, that they're all intertwined with each other. They will ebb and flow as we go through our Christian lives. And sometimes one of these rhythms we may very find easier than the others. And, and I'd like to suggest almost that we need to find the rhythms that, that look have a sense of ease about them. Uh, you'll understand what I mean uh, when we dig into these. So these are the, the five rhythms that I'm going to look at uh, this morning. I'm going to put them all at one at a time. So the first one is, by God's grace, be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Second one, thanks Richard, you'll just follow these through. By God's grace, be open to the presence, the guidance, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Third, by God's grace, set time aside for prayer, for worship, and spiritual reading. Fourthly, by God's grace, serve others and work for justice. And fifthly, by God's grace, sensitively share your faith with others. So we're going to look briefly at all of those five rhythms. As I say, they're all interwoven amongst themselves. But I hope that as we, we, we look into this and dig just a little bit deeper, you can see how these are some of the rhythms of grace that can apply to our lives and how we need to sense the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide us through these specific rhythms. So next slide. The first one is, by God's grace, be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Now, of all the rhythms, I actually think this is probably the most important one. As Christians, perhaps our number one aim should be we want to be more like Jesus. That's what we're working for. We're trying to grow. We're studying. We're worshiping. All of what we're doing 
is trying to become more and more like Jesus. You remember the story when, when the, the, the people came to him and said, well, you know, what are the most important commandments? And he actually said, look, you know, effectively love God and love people. All of the other commandments are, are summed up in that. Almost all of the other rhythms are summed up with be more like Jesus. That's the number one rhythm that we, we should be looking at. But I'll just put a couple of things there that help us to be more like Jesus. We need to be honest and kind in equal proportions. It's obvious that we should be honest, but how often is our honesty linked to kindness? You've probably heard the expression, you've got to be cruel to be kind. I don't know if that is actually the case. It talks about speaking the truth. There are times when we do have to speak the truth, and sometimes the truth can actually be hurtful. But we need to be, if we want to be like Jesus, we've got to be honest and we've got to be kind. We want to try and act only positively and speak positively. It's so easy in the life of the church to, to be gossipy. It's so easy to be critical. It's so easy not to think the best of people. I believe that God wants us to see the best in other people. We've all got flaws and faults. All of us. We'll all annoy each other from time to time. But try and see the best in people. I believe that's what Jesus did himself. There's a, there's a, a lovely um, a proverb um, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And he will give you the desires of your heart. If you want to be transformed into being like Jesus, just have a think for a moment. What are your heart's desires? What is the number one thing that's really focusing your mind? Because the Bible tells us where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And, and, and actually, you need to think about what is it that gets you up and motivates you in the morning? Is your heart's desire to just have a bigger car, a better job, to win the lottery? I don't know. Or is your heart's desire to see the kingdom of God come? To be transformed into the likeness of Jesus is to desire the things of God. And then finally, Philippians 4.8. This is a fantastic verse where Paul writes to the church at Philippi. And he actually says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you want to be transformed to be like Jesus, you need to take control of your mind. You need to, to actually take your mind captive at times and need to concentrate on these type of things, what's true, what is pure, what is lovely. If you concentrate on those things in your life, you will become, day by day, slowly, one step at a time, a bit more like Jesus. Okay, let's look at the, the second rhythm I want us to think about this morning. By God's grace, be open to the presence, the guidance, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day of our Christian lives. The Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit isn't just a one-off thing or something that happens occasionally. It's actually for every day of our life. 
I learned a long time ago that, that for whatever reason, we seem to be created as very, very leaky vessels. And no matter how much God fills us with the Holy Spirit yesterday, by the time we get today, we're pretty darn empty again. And we need to constantly, every day, be seeking a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't just for the dramatic, the miraculous. It is for those things. But it's also for the every interaction of our lives. It's for the conversation we have as we're having a piece of toast over the breakfast table. It's for the bus journey to work. It's for going into the office or the workplace. It's for whatever we do, the Holy Spirit is there to help us, to guide us, to provide us with power and authority. We need to seek the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn what they are and we need to ask for them as far as the gifts are concerned. And we need to allow the fruits of the Spirit to mature in our lives. We haven't got time to study these, but I'm just going to remind you of what some of these are. Next scriptures, please. I'll just read this to you. In Corinthians, Paul writes about the gifts. And he says this, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different types of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. There are other lists of gifts. There are one or two other gifts as well, but that's just a, a snapshot of many of the gifts that are available to us as Christians, and I believe they're all available to us, and actually God will offer us He'll only ever give us good gifts, and we just need to ask for these gifts, and he will give them to us if we ask. But then Paul also wrote to the church uh, in Galatians where he wrote this, and again, you'll know these verses. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Can I urge you every day to ask for the infilling of the Spirit, to ask for the gifts, to ask God to allow the fruits of the Spirit to mature in your life. Okay, the third rhythm of grace that I want us just to think about very briefly is this. By God's grace, set side a time aside, set aside time, sorry, for prayer, for worship, and spiritual reading. Now, I don't want this to be too prescriptive. It would have been very easy to put kind of uh, time limits on it or numbers, you know, to say a minimum of this. Or, and, and actually, we've got to remember these are rhythms that we're talking about today. So I really... I think there is a place for discipline and there is a place for, for, for us actually really grasping onto something and being determined to do something at a set time in a regular way for a set period of time. But I don't want to be prescriptive to you. I want you yourselves to be prescriptive to yourselves. You decide what's right for you at this moment in your personal walk with God. But, but these are really practical things. But, but the rhythms of grace are this. Pray every day. Every day, spend some time with God. Read the Bible every day. And could I suggest that you, you read the Bible with some type of, of plan or commentary? Don't just kind of dip into it and 
wait to see where it falls open today and believe that the Holy Spirit will guide your finger to John 3.16 yet again because it's your favorite verse. Actually use a plan which may at times take you through some of the more difficult passages. And sometimes you may find that, that, that it's a bit harder going, but stick to a plan if you can. If any verse leaps out at you, try and remember it. Try and meditate on it. Um, many people today use Bible apps. There are some fantastic Bible apps. Loads of them are really, really good. Um, I, I personally, just um, a few months ago, um, we, we were at, um, at a conference uh, up um, in Manchester, and Pete Gregg was talking at this conference, and uh, he mentioned one app that I'd not heard of. Many of you will probably know it anyway, but, but he's actually got an app that he, he promotes. He's the guy that, that did the 24-hour prayer um, course, and his app is called Lectio 365, uh, and I can't recommend this highly enough. Since we went to that conference, I've downloaded it, and, and I'll be quite honest, the way the way that I use it is absolutely first thing in the morning, and, and you, can, you can read it. But if you read it, it probably only takes like a minute or two. But if you listen to the audio, it's normally about eight to ten minutes. And there's a nice little bit of background music playing, and it just helps you to enter into recognizing that the presence of God. And I've put... That's my rhythm. It might be absolutely rubbish for you. Your rhythm might be the back end of the day. Your rhythm might be, you know, at, at 11 o'clock over a coffee. I, my rhythm will be different for you. But one of the rhythms that I found really helpful, just first thing in the morning is to just click on this and just for the first kind of, as I, you know, as I'm coming away, just begin to listen to these words. Even sometimes if I'm drowsy, I just kind of let the words wash over me. There's another one. Uh, that I, I use uh, a lot, which is called uh, Daily Light. Again, just a, a small group of scriptures. Um, and there's so many other Bible apps that you can use, but those are two that I personally found useful. Look at other Christian literature as well. Don't just concentrate always on the Bible. Uh, and then as one of the pastors of the church, I am going to say this to you. One of your rhythms has to be taking part in regular corporate worship. You're all doing that today, so that's brilliant. But it's really important. Um, we're not meant to get into the habit of forgetting to meet together. Meeting together is vitally important, and it's one of the really significant rhythms of grace as you, you kind of walk this Christian life. Okay, rhythm four. I know there's a lot to get through today, but uh, I just want you to really feel how all of these suggested rhythms interact with each other. Okay. By God's grace, serve others and work for justice. Now, work for justice is a big, big thing to say, and I'll just try and explain that to you in a moment. But I'll just put down a few ideas here. Undertake acts of generosity and random acts of kindness. Have you ever been in a restaurant and paid somebody else's bill for them. Just asking you. Have you ever been in the supermarket and paid somebody else's shopping bill for them? Just seen somebody and just responded. Perhaps it is genuinely a nudge of the Holy Spirit that that's happened. Have you ever felt a real nudge to just stop the car and give a stranger a lift? 
just um, a, a, a short while ago, um, for some reason, I'd got a load of Bibles in, um, from, from Hope House in my car. And I was just driving up the road, and I saw a guy just sitting outside his house. Kind of, he wasn't in trouble. He was just sitting there, uh, having a cup of coffee, sitting in his front garden. And I just felt a nudge to stop the car and get out and just give him a Bible and just chat to him. He probably thought I was a nutter, but it didn't bother me. It was just something... I, now, who knows what that's... You know, what, what seeds may have been sown? Uh, I, I don't know. Oh, he was very happy to receive it, you know. But, um, yeah, he didn't think I was a nutter, I don't think. But there are so many things that we can do. Not, you know, just about buying stuff for people, but being generous. Random acts of kindness are important. I'm so proud of being in part of a church where there are so many opportunities to serve in our community and there are so many needs in our community. And, and at Springs, I, I think one of the most amazing things is that I don't think there's hardly anybody in the life of our church that doesn't serve on at least one of our teams. That's absolutely brilliant. And I really want to commend all of us for that. It's one of the... It's part of our DNA, I believe. I think it's one of the hallmarks of, of this church is that we are a church where everybody does get involved in whatever way. You might not even realize that you, you're serving. If, you, if your passion is, is football and you're helping out on a Tuesday night with the football, you, you probably, you know, it's probably something you really love doing and you don't even consider it part of your Christian service. But it is. It's one of the rhythms of, of grace. I would urge you not to get involved in things that, that are really outside your comfort zone unless you really sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't volunteer for things that you know you're going to hate. That's, that's, just, that's just stupidity. But on the other hand, be open to the fact that something that you don't quite fancy may actually be exactly what God's leading you into. So you've got to have that sensitivity to hear the Holy Spirit nudge don't just, well, oh, I'm not doing that because I don't fancy it. But, but be sensible about it as well. There are so many opportunities to serve. I just loved coming into the cafe today and seeing those walls all painted. Thank you, everyone that was involved in that this week. There are so many other opportunities to, to get involved, not just within the, the life of the church, but obviously in the life of the community. But I also said, work for justice work for justice. That's really hard. Do you actually ever feel overwhelmed when you, you look at the world, you look at the war in Ukraine, you look at the, the thing that we've just been praying into with, with Christina and Hannah and saying, well, how can little old me, other than just saying the odd prayer and sending the odd bit of money, really make a difference? I want you to know, I want you to believe that you can make a difference as we have joined together in corporate prayer today for for Hanuk and Christina in particular but for the our brothers and sisters in Pakistan that are suffering we are genuinely working for justice and do not dismiss your little bit of involvement this is not a topic that I am at all passionate about I've got certain opinions which I will keep to myself but but we all know the crooked house burnt down a few weeks ago. There are about 200 people 
that are passionately campaigning to see it rebuilt. You know, I drive past the entrance almost every day of my life and there are still banners outside there, there are still people there. Only this week on the, the television they were interviewing a couple that are camping out side the crooked house, waiting, you know, to, and they're not going to stop, they say, until they see it rebuilt. Now, you could actually say, well, what a waste of time. You know, there's, there's more important things to be passionate about. But they believe they can make a difference. They're not just saying, well, well isn't it a shame? Isn't it a pity? Oh, dear. I'm not happy about that. These people in a secular environment have made a difference. Captain Tom Moore, in lockdown, started walking around his garden and ended up raising £30 million for charity. Your little influence can have unbelievable ripple effects around the whole world. And it might just be that God is calling to you something very, very specific on the lines of social justice. If, if you really are sensing a nudge today, please explore that nudge. It could be one of the rhythms of grace that's going to transform your life. And then the last one is this, and, and it's almost as important as the first one. By God's grace, sensitively share your faith with others. One of the rhythms of grace that we have to do as a Christian is to share our faith. I said that the first rhythm was probably the most important, or it overrode everything else. Be like Jesus is the most important one. But I also want to say this last one that we're looking at today, this last rhythm of grace is paramount, and let me tell you folks, it's not optional. This isn't a rhythm of grace you can opt out of permanently. It might be a rhythm where you go through a season in your life where it's absolutely flowing out of you, and everybody you meet, you're sharing the good news of Jesus, and there might be times in your life where you're struggling with this. That's fine, that's a rhythm, but you can't opt out of this. Jesus' very last words to his disciples, as you all know, I'm sure, were Go and make disciples. If we are not seeing more people hearing the good news of Jesus, we're not really fulfilling our primary purpose on earth. But just looking at this practically, ask God to give you the courage to share your faith. Look for opportunities to do it. Can I ask you, how many of your friends are non-Christians? How many non-Christians do you know? I've noticed in church life, because we're all such lovely people, there's this temptation just to hang out with all of your mates that are Christians and believe the same things as you. But actually, I don't think that's how it's meant to be. Jesus didn't spend his time with religious people, far from it. And I believe we're called to be genuinely friends with people outside the family of God. How many of your non-Christian friends actually know that you are a Christian. How many know that you're a Christian? But remember, it's a rhythm. It doesn't have to be forced. If, if you go out tomorrow determined to, to blurt out to, to, to somebody that you've known for a while that you're a Christian and you've never told them, I can almost guarantee it'll be a disaster. You've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and look for the, the promptings and the nudgings. But... Ask God for the courage to do it. I put there, be relational. 
and invitational. When we started the church, one of, this was a, quite a discussion we had. We didn't want to be a church that just kind of put on big events and expected people to turn up. I think that's a really bad church model. If that's all you do is to put stuff on and expect people to come in, it isn't going to happen. We concentrated so much on the relational aspect that you need to be in relationship with people, that, that you need to, 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 you know, there was an expression, don't invite people to church, introduce them to Jesus. And I still believe that passionately, but I also believe that is a place for the invitational. And I know as we move into the autumn season and particularly Christmas, there will be opportunities for you to be invitational out of the relationships that you've already got and then finally, I just put there, support world mission initiatives prayerfully, practically, and financially. Are you supporting people you know that are all about sharing the good news? Be part of something bigger than just our little corner of Gornal. So just as we, we, we bring this down to land now, could we just have the, the five rhythms just up there? I'm just going to leave these up. Perhaps the band can, can wander back up now. Because uh, I, I just want us to, to look at these again. These rhythms of grace, they're not, as I say, a, a, a finite list, but just five practical things. How much like Jesus are you? Are you allowing God to transform you to be more and more like him? Are you seeking the power, the presence, the guidance of the Holy Spirit every day? What's your quiet time like? What's your prayer life like? How's you studying the Bible going? Are you serving? Would you ever consider just blessing a complete stranger? Are you so full of the joy of the Holy Spirit that, that, that everybody you meet knows you're a Christian? Or are you keeping it to yourself? I don't know. But these are rhythms. These are rhythms. All of them are intertwined. There'll be times where one is... There's be times when your Bible's alive and other times where it seems dry. There'll be times where your prayer life's so wonderful and other times where it feels like you're talking to the ceiling. There'll be, there'll be times where you, you stutter and stumble when you're trying to share your faith and other times when people are really interested. There'll be times where serving other people is just hard, flipping work and you don't really want to do it. And other times where it's a joy and a pleasure and a privilege. These rhythms of grace are the way that Jesus lived his life and if we are more and more like him, if we seek these rhythms, I believe our relationship with Father God will be stronger and deeper and more meaningful than it's ever been. So just contemplate on these and just ask God to speak to you as we, we have a response song about allow God to put his finger on your heart and your life. If anything's challenged you or convicted you, just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you now as we, we sing our next song. Thanks, son. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore for endless days. We will sing your praise, oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. My mind to Calvary, 
Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore for endless days. We will see your praise, oh Lord, oh Lord our God. the third at break of dawn the son of heaven rose again oh trample death where is your sting the angels roar for Christ our King oh oh
Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.